0: Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. We exist for God's glory alone, encouraging each other to have a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. I walked around the church property on Wednesday. Sometimes I do that. Sometimes I'll take a prayer walk and I'll pray for you. I'll pray for our ministries. I'll pray for unbelievers. Pray for new families. Sometimes it's prayer walk, sometimes it's a trash walk. (laughs) I'll just walk around, I'll pick up papers and bottles and miscellaneous junk and throw it out. Well, so I was walking around on Wednesday, I got a little contemplative, which I I sometimes do, and you know what I started thinking about as I walked around this property? I started thinking about the day that I will no longer be the pastor of this church, that day will one day be here. One day I won't be the pastor here and I'll be so far removed from this church I won't even know what's going on in this place. One day I will preach my very last sermon in this church. And I'll be done. Never to preach here again. Well, what will I preach? What will the book be, the verse, the passage? What will I say? What, what will I emphasize as important? How will I condense and summarize all the years that I've spent here as a pastor, 27 now, what will I say? Well, today we come to the last sermon, the last message, the last words of Jesus. See, his public ministry now comes to a close. He'll still teach. He's still going to mentor the disciples. But from here on out, there's, there's no preaching on hillsides. There's no preaching in synagogues. There's no crowds of people that he's going to provide for, that he's going to heal. There's no more teaching parables. There'll be no more teaching life lessons. This is it. The very last words of Jesus in his public ministry. How's he going to end it? What's he going to say? What will he emphasize is most important? What are the last words that the Lord wants the crowds to know? And what are the last things he wants you to know? That's what we see today in John chapter 12. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 12. If you're new to the church, I'm preaching through the book of John, verse by verse, passage by passage. And we come to this summary of Jesus' last public ministry. And the crowds have been seeking him and following him, following him from Bethany, two miles outside Jerusalem, where he raised Lazarus from the dead. As he's made his way to Jerusalem, crowds came out of the city. It's the time of Passover to meet him and lay down those branches and lay down their worship and praise. And Jews are seeking him out, and last week we even saw Gentiles are seeking him out. And he lifts up his voice one last time, and we read it starting in verse 44 of John chapter 12. And Jesus cries out, the one who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And the one who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and doesn't receive my sayings has this as his judge. The word I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own. But the Father himself who sent me has given me a command to say everything I have said. I know that his command is eternal life. So the things that I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. One last public message. Harkening back to familiar themes he's brought up throughout the book of John. John. Some of the most important subjects. What is he going to say? What does he want them to know? What does he want us to know? He declares first and foremost, I am God. With this loud, resounding voice, public proclamation, make no mistake about it. Verse 44, the one who believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. It is a clear statement of deity. Believe that I am God. Believe. Believe. wouldn't these guys believe? They are religious people from religious homes gathering at a religious place with other religious people. They attend religious services. They're celebrating a religious holiday. It's Passover. They're praying religious prayers. They're listening to religious teachings from a religious book. Why tell them to believe? Because we must never equate being religious with being a believer. Don't ever equate being religious with being a believer. Jesus makes this very clear. Being religious is never enough. It is not enough for you. It is not enough for me. It is not enough for them. And these people are more religious than you and I would ever be. See, it doesn't matter how religious you are. That you're from a religious home, attending religious services, praying religious prayers, reading religious books, singing, singing religious songs, hanging out with religious people in a religious place for a religious service, you must believe. And some of us here today are believers. Prayerfully, most of us are. But some of us here today are not believers, maybe online, maybe here in person. Just like in Jesus' day, they were not all believers. And just like today, everyone gathered today in this service is not a true believer. We must believe that Jesus is one and the same as God. The one who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Please grasp this reality. You cannot be a follower of God if you are not a follower of Jesus. Jesus. You cannot be a follower of God if you are not a follower of Jesus. If you claim to be a follower of God, but you're not a follower of Jesus, you're just a religious person. That's all you are. Like many millions of people in churches today and around this world today that are not followers of Jesus, but they're religious people. You must believe. You must believe that Jesus is God. You must believe He is the Savior who came out of heaven to save you. You must place your faith in Him. The one who sees me next, He says, sees Him who sent me. And Jesus and the Father are one and the same. And He's taught this from the very beginning. In John eight nineteen. You know neither me nor my Father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would know my Father. John 14. The one who has seen me has seen the Father. Verse 11, believe that me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And so not only to know Jesus is to know the Father, but to see Jesus is to see the Father. Jesus is God. That's what he wants them to know. And that's what he wants you to know. I want to give you some of the clearest verses on the deity of Jesus Christ right now. By the way, they'll come, real, they'll come in handy uh, when those Jehovah's Witnesses come banging on your door as well. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the living words of God, the Word of God. He was with God in the beginning. He is eternal God. All things were created through Him and apart from Him. Not one thing was created that has been created. He is God, the Creator. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is God who became a man taking on flesh and bones and skin and blood and hair. To sum it up, he is the living word of God. He is eternal God. He is God the creator. He is God who became a man. Jump down to John 1.18. No one has ever seen God because God is spirit. The one and only son who is himself God and is at the father's side. He has revealed him. And so Jesus is the visible revelation of God. That's who he is. Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God. Again, the visible representation of God. The firstborn over all creation for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth. The visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Jesus is the creator God holding all authority and sovereignty over all of creation. He is before all things. Again, he is eternal. And by him, all things hold together. He is all-powerful God. To summarize it, he is the visible representation of God. He is the creator God holding authority and sovereignty over all of creation. He is eternal God. He is all-powerful God. Jesus is God. Colossians 2.9. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. He is 100% God in human form. Philippians 2. Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. He exists with God. He is equal to God. Instead, emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So he exists with God, equal to God. He is a humble God who becomes a man, not just for 33 years. When he becomes a man, he becomes a man for all of eternity. He takes on the form of human being forever and ever. And he's a humble God who becomes a man. And he's a loving God who dies as a man, and as God. For all of your sins, and all of my sins, and that's why we celebrated communion this morning. To remember the sacrifice of our God, who became a man, to die for us and save us. And finally, Hebrews 1:3. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. He is the visible glory of God. And the exact expression of his nature, 100% God in nature. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. He is the all powerful God. He's the visible glory of God, 100% God in nature, an all powerful God. One last public message Jesus cries out these words I am God. And then he says, I am light. Look at verse 46. I've come as light into the world. So that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. And the I is very emphatic and strong throughout the passage. We hear it over and over again in verse 46. I have come. 47, I do not. 49, I have not. 50, I know. Again in 50, I speak. It is resounding. It is forceful. It is authoritative. Calling out, declaring to this crowd, I have come. And he didn't have to. God didn't have to come out of heaven. He chose to. He could have left you. He could have left me. He could have left us in the dark cell of our sin. He could have left us in our solitary confinement of shame. But he came. He came and he looked at us, rabid with sin, and he took pity on us. And like a mangy dog, locked in a cage, covered with filth, scheduled to be put down, that's you, that's me. He came to the cage of our sin and he said, I'll take that one and I'll take that one and I'll take you 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 and I'll take take that one. He picked you, and he unlocked your cage, and he set you free to run in the light. Do you realize what you are? You're God's rescue. That's who you are. You were a mangy mutt in your sin, and God rescued you. And now what are you? I'm a child of God. Amen? I am a child of God. And he brought you into the light. And Jesus uses this imagery of light five times in the book of John. And what I want to do as we close out his public teaching, I want to review these five times. The first one is back in John chapter 3. Jesus said, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light, avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light, so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. So the light has come into the world. And this has been prophesied long ago, Isaiah 9-2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. And, And Simeon, in the temple, would take the baby Jesus in his arms. And he would praise God as he is holding God, the light of the world in his arms. Think about that. And he says, for for my eyes have seen your salvation and you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. Simeon loved the light. But what Simeon loved, many people hate and many people avoid. Again, John 3 People love darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so his deeds will not be exposed. See, cockroaches flee when the light is turned on. This world is overrun with human cockroaches. It's a massive infestation on this planet. And they flee from all things Jesus. They flee from the words of Jesus. They flee from the people of Jesus. They flee from the houses of Jesus. They want nothing to do with the light. Because light exposes sin. Brings conviction. And guilt. And shame. The light is hated and avoided by many, but the light is sought after and loved by many as well. Verse 21 of John 3, anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light. And that's why you're here today. You love the light, you're people of truth. You wanna be close to Jesus, you wanna sing the praises of Jesus, you wanna hear the words of Jesus. You don't run from the light, you are drawn to the light. See, those who live by the truth bathe themselves in the light. It's kinda like going outside on a nice warm day. The sunlight is warm and refreshing, and comforting and calming. And it's like you want you get your spiritual, you know, vitamin vitamin D. That's what you want, vitamin D. This is spiritual vitamin D. Coming into God's house with God's people, singing God's praise, listening to God's word. Soak up the spiritual vitamin D, child of God. Live by the truth. You got nothing to hide. There's nothing to fear. See, tonight, midnight, one o'clock in the morning, if I were to walk around your house and the floodlights come on and you see me running away, it's probably not good, call the cops. (laughs) But if I'm walking around your house at midnight, 1 a.m., the floodlights come on and I'm still standing there, it's because I was just getting your trash cans and bringing them up to your house because they blew in the yard or in the street or it's because I saw your garage was open and I wanted to make sure it was closed. See, when you live by the truth, you got nothing to hide, nothing at all. He gives another mention, John 8. Jesus has just forgiven the woman caught in adultery. He's dismissed all these rock-wielding, proud religious men that are ready to stone her after they've paraded her through the street and put her in front of of all of these men. And he speaks to these Pharisees in John eight twelve. And Jesus spoke and said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What is that light? It is the light of forgiveness. What would he tell the woman? Neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on do not sin anymore. Colossians 1, he's rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son that he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's the light of God, the light of forgiveness. And the light of the world, he says in John 8, anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness. Follows means continues to follow. Keep following. Stay close to the light. Don't fall back into the shadows, Christian. Don't fall back into the darkness. Some of you have fallen back. The darkness is starting to overtake you. You need to run back up to the light. Walk in obedience. Walk closely with the Lord. And he tells us in John eight 12, we'll never walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of life. You know, you can't grow anything without light. Every once in a while, I'll buy a plant, I'll buy a flower that says full sun, and I'll plant it in somewhere else in the yard. <laughs> and it doesn't bloom, and it doesn't grow, and it's not healthy. Child of God, you require full sun. You require the full light of Jesus in your life. You're not going to bloom unless you're in full sun. You're not going to be healthy unless you have full light. You need more light in your life. You need more Jesus in your life, not less. You need more time in his word. You need more time in prayer. You need more time in his house, not less. You need more time with his people you're not going to bloom. You're not going to be healthy. You're not going to grow like you should because you require full light. You require full sun, the son of God. Stay close. He gives a third mention of light in John chapter 9. He's doing the works of God. He's just healed a man that was born blind and he tells this to his disciples. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And the time for Jesus was short. He would soon be crucified and buried, raised and ascended. He says, my time is short. Please understand this, your time is short. You are not here for long. Do the works of God. Work by the light. Get busy for God. What are you doing for God? Honestly? Or do you, like many in this world, think the world revolves around you? Do you serve God in any way with your life? Or do you just come in here thinking it's all about you? What are you going to do for me, church? What are you going to do for God, Christian? See, if you're not worshiping God and serving God, you're worshiping yourself and serving yourself do the works of God. Get busy for God. Work by the light. And then John 12, last week, verse 35 through 36, five times he mentions light. He answers, the light will be with you only a little longer. Walk while you have the light so that darkness doesn't overtake you. The one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become children of light. If you're not walking in the light, with the light, darkness will overtake you. We talked about how the darkness of fear and worry can overtake us. And the darkness of doubt and confusion and misdirection. Doesn't know where he's going if you're not walking in the light. The darkness of temptation, the darkness of sin will overtake us. Walk with the light and let Jesus dispel the darkness in your life. Let him dispel that confusion and that fear. You're a child of God. Let him dispel the temptation and sin. Walk close to the light. And by all means, be a child of God. John 12, 36. And then here he gives us the fifth time he mentions in the book of John. Spoken to the crowds. I have come in light into the world, verse 46, so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. He says, I'm the light for this world. I am the light for everyone. I am the light for you. I am enough. You don't need anyone else. You need Jesus. You need the light. So that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. And sadly, many in this world are living in the darkness. They exist in the darkness. They walk in the darkness. Intercede for your family. Intercede for your friends. Intercede for those in darkness. They need the light. One last public message. Jesus wants everybody to know this. I am God. I am light. You will be judged. You will be judged. Verse 47 and 43. If anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them, I don't judge him. For I didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and doesn't receive my sayings has this as his judge. The word I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Jesus makes it clear, the purpose that I came was not to judge. We see that in John three sixteen. God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son. Everyone who believes in him will not perish, have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That was the purpose of Jesus. Same thing Jesus would tell the wee little man Zacchaeus up in the sycamore tree in Luke 19. Today salvation has come to this house. Verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Same thing we read in 1 John 4. We've seen and we testify that the Father has sent His Son as the world's Savior. So does that mean if Jesus didn't come to judge, there's no judgment? Does that mean if Jesus didn't come to judge, everybody will get away with their sin? Does that mean it doesn't matter what we do and what anybody in this world does? Doesn't matter? No. The primary purpose of Jesus was not to judge. But Jesus will judge. For to reject him as Savior is to ask him to be your judge. John 5, 22, the father in fact judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son. And he has granted him the right to pass judgment because he is the son of man. See, only one person can save you, the son of man, Jesus. And if you reject salvation, you ask for judgment, we bring it upon ourselves. What is the basis of judgment? Verse 48. The one who rejects me, rejecting Jesus as God, rejecting Jesus as the Savior, rejecting the sacrifice on the cross for our sins. John 3:36, the one who believes in the Son has eternal life. The one who rejects the Son, carrying the idea of considering Him as nothing and His sacrifice as nothing and unimportant, will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on Him. So the choice is yours, the choice is mine. Receive the Son or reject the Son. The choice is yours, the choice is mine. Eternal life from God or wrath from God. So the basis for judgment is rejecting the person of Jesus. And the basis for judgment, next we see in 37 and 48, is rejecting the words of Jesus twice. Verse 47, if anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them. Verse 48. The one who rejects me and doesn't receive my sayings has this as his judge. The word I have spoken will judge him on the last day. So every single person lives in great peril, ignoring the words of God, rejecting the words of God, disobeying the words of God. Like the foolish man who built his house on the sand in Matthew 7. Everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them, ignores them, rejects them. Will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, pounded that house and it collapsed and collapsed with a great crash. And all you have to do is look around this world and there are lives collapsing and crashing all over the place. Because they have rejected the words of God. And sadly there are Christians whose lives are collapsing and crashing because they've rejected the truth of God and decided, I don't need to follow the Bible. I can follow my instincts, follow my heart, follow my feelings. And so at times, the lives of Christians, their marriages crash, their families collapse and crash, their businesses collapse and crash. Do not reject the words of God, your creator. Embrace them and follow them. Hold his word in high regard. They are words of life and they are non-negotiable. John 14, the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, says Jesus. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. Do you love Jesus? Answer. Yes. Do you love Jesus? Yes. It's easy to say it. But are you obeying him? because if you're disobeying him in any area of your life right now and you know what his word says you don't love him you love yourself you really don't love him because if you truly love him this is the this is the litmus test if you love me you will keep my words he said it not me so to say you love Jesus is to say lord i follow your word I do, and that's proof of your love. The words of Jesus are also words of judgment for this world. He says, the words I have spoken, verse 48, will judge him. So the world is held accountable to the very words of Jesus. I want you to think about that. This world will be held accountable to the words of Jesus. And ignorance is no excuse. See, if I I took off today and I flew to England, And I land in London and I rent a car and I just start driving on the right hand of the side of the road everywhere I went. I'm gonna be pulled over and I'm eventually gonna be arrested and thrown in jail for poor driving skills. No comment, thank you. And the judge may say to me, Do you have anything to say? Well, you know, I live in the United States and and everyone drives on the right-hand side of the road and you know what the judge will say? You will be judged by the laws of this land. You will be judged by the laws of this land. Ignorance is no excuse. Men and women will be judged by the words of the Creator, by the words of God, by the words of the sovereign Lord of Lords. Everyone on this earth will be judged by his words. There are no excuses. So get to know his word. Know his laws. Study them. Listen. Learn. And by all means, obey. For the world, the world's disobedience will be judged. Romans 2. Because of your hard... Because of your hardened and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath. When God's righteous judgment is revealed, he will repay each one according to his works. Verse 8, but wrath and anger to those who are self-seeking and disobey the truth while obeying unrighteousness. Ephesians 5, let no one deceive you with empty arguments. You can make all the arguments you want. You could talk yourself blue in the face. It does not matter. For God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Colossians 3. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. There is ultimate accountability to every human on this planet. The words of Jesus are the basis of judgment. When will this judgment take place? He tells us in verse 48, on the last day. So there is a day set on God's calendar, inked in permanent ink, It's not moving he just hasn't shared the exact date but it's coming and one of the most somber passages in all the bible is the great white throne judgment that we see in revelation chapter 20 when the unsaved dead of all the ages are judged i saw a great white throne and one seated on it that is jesus king of kings and lord of lords earth and heaven fled from his presence no one no place was found for them I also saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by what was written in the books. God has everything recorded. No one on this planet gets away with anything. Then the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. Each one was judged according to their works. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone's name, and anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Child of God, thank God your name is in the book of life. Amen. Thank God you will not face this judgment. Thank God for the sacrifice on that cross for your sins. He's coming to judge. He's coming to judge this world. 2 Corinthians 1. This will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his powerful angels, angelic warrior beings. When he takes vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and on those who do not or don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from his glorious strength. On that day when he comes to be glorified by his saints and to be marveled at all by those who have believed, because our testimony among you was believed. In Jude 14, look, the Lord comes with tens of thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly concerning all the ungodly acts that they have done in an ungodly way and concerning all the harsh things ungodly sinners have said against him. And so our message to this world is repent before it's too late. Our message to this world is turn from your sin. Our message to our loved ones To your parents, to your grandparents, to your children, to your your neighbors, to your co-workers, your message must be turned to God before it's too late. Acts 17, God now commands all people everywhere to repent because he has set a day when he is going to judge this world, the world in righteousness, by the man he has appointed. Who is that man? Jesus Christ, God himself in the flesh. And he's provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Do you know what the resurrection is? Proof of coming judgment. That's what the resurrection is. It's not only our salvation, but also of coming judgment. One last public message Jesus gives. What does he want everybody to know before it closes out? I am God. I am light. You will be judged. Listen to me. Verse 49 and 50, for I have not spoken on my own, but the Father himself has sent me and given me a command to say everything I've said. I know that his command is eternal life, so the things that I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. Do you see what he's done here? Verse 44, believe in me is to believe in God. Verse 45, to see me is to see God. And now in verse 49 and 50, to hear me is to hear God. And remember, he's crying these words out with a resounding voice to the entire crowd. The one who believes in me believes not in me, but him who sent me. The one who sees me sees him who sent me. I've not spoken on my own. The Father himself who sent me has given me a command to say everything I've said to you. Do you get that? Do you understand what he's just said? I've not spoken on my own. What I say to you has heaven's backing. What I say to you comes with divine authority. What I say to you comes from God himself in the glories of heaven. The God who spoke this into existence. First picture from the James Webb Space Telescope. One galaxy cluster is what that is. Do you realize all by itself it holds thousands of galaxies And each galaxy estimated to have an average of 100 billion stars. The telescope can see 81 sextillion, 600 quadrillion miles into space. That's a long way. You may say, well, how long? I have no idea how far that is. This is what it means. That many miles away, the telescope can see into space. And that's just what it can see. There's more beyond that. More galaxies, billions more stars. Do you understand what Jesus says? I speak the words of heaven. And the words of heaven has spoken everything into existence, God. Don't you think that's a word you should listen to? Psalm 33:6: 6. The heavens were made by the word of the Lord and all the stars by the breath of his mouth. His word means everything. The words of men mean nothing. Stop worrying so much about what people say on social media and stop worrying about what they're saying in the news and stop worrying about what some coworker. This is the only thing that matters. Amen. The word of the living God. That's all that matters. Know His word. Jesus reminded people often that He only spoke the words of the Father, John 7. And Jews were amazed. How's this man so learned since he hasn't been trained And Jesus' said, My teaching isn't mine, but is from the one who sent me. In John 8, the one who sent me is true, and what I have heard from him, these things I tell the world, just, but just as the Father taught me, I say these things. John 14, the words I speak to you I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. John 14 again. The word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I speak the words of divine authority from heaven itself. Listen to my words. See, Jesus is on mission. We're told in verse 49 that the Father himself sent me. So he's been sent with these words and he's been sent on mission. And by the way, if the Father has sent the Son, don't forget the Son has sent you on the same mission with the same words. And so, with the words of Elwood and Joliet, Jake, the Blues Brothers, it's true of you. We're on a mission from God, (laughs) and we are. Because Jesus is on a mission, and he's given us the mission in Matthew chapter 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Those are the words of God. Those are the words of Jesus. Be on mission, child of God. This world is desperate for the truth of God. This world needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no hope in this world outside God himself who is eternal life. You have the hope of the world. He is the light of the world and you are the light of the world. Set on a hill to shine. Be on mission. The Father's command, we're told in verse 50, I know that he, His command is eternal life. The authority to grant eternal life is with Him. The authority to command eternal life is with Him. To turn from the words of Jesus is to turn from eternal life. To turn from the person of Jesus is to turn from eternal life. Because Jesus is eternal life. Do you understand that? Listen, to believe in him is eternal life. John 3, the one who believes in the son has what? Eternal life. John 5, truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has what? Eternal life. And, and will not come under judgment As but has passed from death to life. John 6, this is the will of my father that everyone who sees the son and believes in him will have what? Eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Praise God for the future glorification and resurrection of these bodies way after they're dead. So what does he tell us? To believe in him is eternal life. To partake, to drink of him is eternal life. John 4. Whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never thirst again. In fact, the water that I will give him become a well of water springing up to him up in him for eternal life. So, so listen, to believe in him is eternal life. To drink or partake of him is eternal life. His words bring eternal life. John 3, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. John 6, Simon Peter said it. Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. John 20, these things were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, that believing you may have life in his name, and he grants us eternal life. John 10, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. They follow the light. They follow the shepherd. I give them eternal life. What does eternal life mean? It means you will never perish. It's eternal. You are secure. No one will snatch them out of my hand. You are secure. My father who's given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. You are secure. Once you have eternal life, you can never lose eternal life you are secure. I and the Father are one. And that's the message, the last public message of our Lord. And what does he want you to know? That I am God. I am light. You will be judged. Listen to me. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning, or would like more information about Harvest New Beginnings, visit atharvest.church.